are in Acts chapter 11. And so if you want to beat the rush, you can flip your Bible open to Acts chapter 11. And this chapter, Acts chapter 11, it's a little bit of a review. Um, when I was in school, various times, it would go something like this. You'd, you'd learn all the stuff you needed to learn, or you'd, your, your teacher would be teaching you this stuff all semester. And then before the exam, maybe the class before, um, she or he would say, okay, we're going to have a review class. And you'd know that, hey, this is the class. If you're going to show up for any class, you want to show up for the review class, right? Because this is where you realize, oh, 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 that was important. Oh, that was the stuff that I needed to know, hey, right? Or, or the, the um, you just, you, you, she or he would give you the stuff that this is the, this is the important stuff. And so it's kind of similar in the Bible. And you'll see this, I see this throughout. Whenever we're, whenever I'm reading the Word, it's like, why is, why is uh, the Bible saying this again? Like, we just read this a chapter ago, or we just read this a little bit earlier, and it's like, oh, maybe because this is important, right? <laughs> so there's a little bit of that going on in chapter 11. And sometimes, just like with that, uh, just like with that review class, it's like, you, you'll be surprised to, re to realize that it's like, oh, that was, really, that's the important stuff? Like, that seems pretty insignificant. But, but the Holy Spirit will, will repeat that, and we'll realize, oh, maybe I better, maybe there's something there that I didn't quite see the first time. Or give us a little bit of a different angle, right? If the first time around it was like telling the story from this side, and now from the, when it's told the second time, it's kind of from this side. And so in chapter 11, we've got a little bit of, we've got a little bit of review. And, and we're going to go through, we won't get to the last, uh, um, the last um, few verses. We'll just get to the, I guess, probably the first 75% or something like that. Um, and we'll see some review in there. But in that last little bit, there's review there as well. And you'll see that some of the stories that are kind of retold, just to give us context for the next part, but also to, to highlight, hey, this was some of the stuff that we learned before, and this is, um, this is important. <clears throat> so last week, we looked at, at Acts chapter 10. And we met Cornelius, this Gentile centurion, right? And a Gentile is somebody that's not a Jew. And, and even though Cornelius wasn't Jewish, he was, he did, he did worship the God of the Israelites, our God. And, and one day an angel visits Cornelius and tells him that, that he's, hey, he's got to meet the apostle Peter. So Cornelius, he sends some guys down, one of his soldiers and a couple of his servants. He sends them down to fetch Peter, who's in another um, village on the coast. And meanwhile, while this is going on, Peter has his own vision. He has a vision in which this big sheet is lowered down. And on this sheet, there's all kinds of, of animals. And, and a voice says to him, hey, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, no, I, I, I only eat clean animals that have been prepared the right way. And Jesus, who's, who's this one that's instructing Peter in this vision, Jesus insists. And so, of course, Peter obeys. Um, and this, this vision is actually giving Peter instructions that he should that he shouldn't avoid the Gentiles, right? Up until now, it's like Jews and Gentiles, they don't mix. And so Jesus is telling Peter, hey, listen, now Jews and Gentiles do mix, especially in my church, in my kingdom. <clears throat> so Peter goes up to Caesarea where Cornelius lives, and he tells Cornelius, um, plus the uh, Gentile friends and family that Cornelius has gathered together there, Peter tells him about Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, and they start speaking in tongues and, and praising God. And then after that, they're baptized, and, and Peter stays around in, in Caesarea for a, for a few days to visit. 
And next we get to, so that's chapter 10. Then we get to Acts chapter 11. And you'll find that as we go through Acts chapter 11, it's like, hey, didn't we just hear this whole story? And it's like, yeah, this is that repetition part I was talking about. So, so let me read Acts chapter 11, and then we'll swing back through the story. Um, and here we're jumping in. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 11 right around the time when, when Peter, um, Peter had left Caesarea and, and headed down to... Um, we say down to Jerusalem because it's further south, but in the Bible they always say up to Jerusalem because it, Jerusalem was kind of on a hill. So, <laughs> so you might hear me say, in the Bible here, in, right at the start of Acts chapter 11, it says that Peter, I think, I think it says he went uh, up to Jerusalem. I might say Peter went down to Jerusalem because right north to south. But anyway, you, get, you, you understand. Caesarea is up north. Jerusalem's a little bit further down south in, in more in central Israel but it's on a hill, so he's going up to Jerusalem. All right, everybody following? So if you've got your Bible open, Acts chapter 11. Um, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them, precisely as it, hap as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and, and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would open up your word today, that you would teach us the things that you want to teach us, that you would be proclaimed and you would be glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so Acts chapter 11, as we just read, Peter's being challenged by the believers in Jerusalem. And we remember, of course, that in chapter 10, Peter had gone up to, this, to the house of Cornelius. And then here at the beginning of Acts chapter 11, he's challenged. He went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Outrageous, right? Maybe not for us, but according to the law and the tradition that Peter would have followed, it was not okay to fraternize with with non-Jews, right? It wasn't okay to, to spend time close to Gentiles. 
So the Christians in Jerusalem, they challenged Peter. And, and this, this chapter here, this is a significant moment in, in church history, right? Because the Gentiles, they're starting to become a part of the church. This, this separation that had, had existed is starting to be broken down. And so Peter explains to the Christians in Jerusalem, well, I was actually instructed to visit with them. And so in verse 12 of chapter 11, Peter says, says to them, the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. Now, now, we don't know for sure, but it's likely that Peter would have heard the Holy Spirit the same way that we hear the Holy Spirit, right? Usually when we hear the Holy Spirit, we don't actually hear his voice in our head. It's more we have the Holy Spirit living inside us and as, as believers, and he's guiding us and leading us in, in righteousness. And it's more of a, more often kind of a sense that we get, right? We just, this, maybe this idea pops into our minds that it's like, hey, I should encourage that person. I should talk to that person. I should go here. I should do that, right? And so this was likely the same thing that happened with um, with Peter. This was like the same way that he heard the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and, and so the thing is that if Peter's speech, if, if this, this uh, speech, this justification that he'd just given to the believers that were challenging him, if it had only included verse 12, the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them, then the Christians that he was talking to, they would have rightly responded, Peter, you misheard the Spirit. The Bible and our traditions, they're pretty clear about this. Right? Because even though there was no Old Testament law explicitly forbidding associating with Gentiles, um, Jews, they had, they had all these food purification laws, all these different pur purification rules, and they had their traditions as far as, hey, this is how we honor God. And, and they would have been concerned about just, just spending time with Gentiles would have made them unclean. And so, so if Peter said, hey, the Holy Spirit told me that this is what I'm supposed to do, then they would have been like, yeah, Peter, you know what? I don't think you heard the Holy Spirit right. <clears throat> so, so Peter says that the, that the Holy Spirit told him to go with them, to go up to see Cornelius and spend time with, with Gentiles. But of course, Peter's actions, they weren't prompted only by what the Holy Spirit told him. You can jot these down. If you're taking notes, jot these nine um, ways that God spoke in this chapter. Not only to Peter, but uh, we, we just, it's like this chapter is full of different ways that, that God spoke. And so here's, here's nine that I... Um, jotted down. Um, first, starting in verse 5, Peter tells about his vision. Right, He had this, this vision. Uh, second, in verse 7 and 9, Peter heard a voice right, that instructed him, then explained the vision to him. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Third, in verse 10, the vision was repeated three times. Right? This idea of repetition, that this is a way that sometimes the Holy Spirit, sometimes God just makes sure that a message gets through to us. He'll tell us the same thing in multiple different ways. And so here it, was, it, here it seems that he told Peter the same thing the same way three times. So must have, <laughs> Peter got the hint and he's like, oh, okay, this actually is important. And of course, in Peter's case, it was like, not only was this important, but, but this would have been something would, that would be hard for, for Peter to accept. Um, now, uh, fourth, right after this vision was repeated three times, in, in verse 11, we see that at that very moment, the guys from Caesarea arrive, right? And sometimes we see this in our own lives, where, where God works through strange coincidence. What, what we would call, what the world would call coincidence, but we know it's like, no, no, that's not coincidence. That's providence. That's God's divine timing. And so, so these guys from Caesarea, they arrive right at that moment. 
So with coincidence, circumstances that, that confirm or, or give more weight to what it is that Peter is hearing. And then fifth, the Holy Spirit instructs Peter. Uh, sixth, an angel had appeared to Cornelius. And I don't know that, uh, I've never seen an angel. God's never spoken to me that way. But he can speak to us in, in whatever way he wants. And an angel was, was one of the ways that he worked in this chapter. Um, seventh, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, right? So we talked about Peter hearing the Holy Spirit, but here it's like the Holy Spirit manifest and fell on the, the Gentiles. And, and this, in this particular case, this was one that, um, that, that the believers viewed as confirmation, the fact that the Holy Spirit had filled these Gentiles and, and that um, he was obviously working through them. And then in 8, in verse 16, the word of the Lord, right? And this is one we've got. We've got the word of the Lord, and, 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 and God primarily speaks to us um, through his word. And then ninth, verse 18, the significance, of the, the significance of what was going on here was confirmed by a large group of Christians, right, that weren't directly involved. And so here, just like in our lives, right, we, we are making a decision or we're not sure about something, and, and we'll have other believers that, that confirm. It's like, yeah, that's... This, you, you're, you're right or you're wrong or, or I believe that God's doing this. And so we have our brothers and sisters um, uh, confirming or, or teaching us. Okay, so back to, to Peter's retelling of what was happening. Check verses um, 7 and 9. This is where Jesus instructs Peter about food that um, he would have avoided as unclean. And notice who instructs Peter. It's a voice. Whose voice? Well, of course, we know that it's Jesus' voice, and I knew because in my Bible, it's one of those red-letter Bibles, and so I recognized, ah, this voice is Jesus' voice, right? But when Peter's telling the story, he just says, a voice. He doesn't right away say this is Jesus' voice. He just says it's a voice. <clears throat> and, and then notice that, that when Jesus does make reference to Jesus, um, that Peter refers to him as Lord, right, in, in verses 8 and 16. He says, he refers to Jesus as Lord. Lord, of course, means master, the one that, that we obey. And so, so written between the lines of this story, and written between the, the lines of Peter's um, talk to, or, or the, the things that he was saying to the, the Christians there, Peter is saying, I had to do this. The master, the Lord, told me. <clears throat> Are you following? Peter's being challenged by, by these other believers, and... And so he, he draws on Jesus' place as master of his life. And to, to represent that, he, he refers to Jesus as Lord. But, but Jesus isn't fully identified as Jesus until verse 17. And, and in verse 17, this is the big, the, the grand finale, if you will, of Peter's response. Remember who he's responding to, right? Who he's talking to. And, and remember what it is that he's trying to do here. And so he's, he's, he, it's like he's, he's making this build up, and, and he's, it's like he's, he's building up to this uh, in verse 17, where, where even though the people he's talking to would know exactly who, who, whose voice this was, it's like he wants to draw it out so that right at the very end, he can call on the full authority of Jesus. So at the end here in verse 17, he hits it out of the park, right, by, by appealing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 17, so if God gave them the same gift, right? Because the Gentiles, he's saying, hey, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. 
So if God gave them the same gift he gave to us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? The Lord Jesus Christ, right? These, these three titles, Lord Jesus Christ, these are used throughout Acts to refer to Jesus. But it's only in a few places, I think I counted three places in Acts, that, that all three come together. And, and when, you're, when, when you are reading Acts, um, or actually anywhere in the Bible, like watch what name is used to refer to Jesus, to refer to God, to refer to the Holy Spirit, because, because it is significant. And so here is one of the, here in, in our chapter here, is one of the few places in Acts where, where all of a sudden all three of these names, Lord Jesus Christ, come together. Lord, as I mentioned, means master, right? Sometimes it might be, sometimes it's used as sir in, in uh, first century times, but, but our use of sir wouldn't quite catch the full weight of this one, right? Sometimes it's used as, as slaveholder. And, and when, we, when we talk about Jesus as Lord, we're saying, Jesus, you're the, you're the boss of my life, right? I don't, there's, that's not, that, even boss isn't the right word, but it's like, yeah, you're the, you're the Lord of my life. You're the one that... I, I'm, 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 I'm a slave to you, Lord, right? <clears throat> and then Jesus, of course, when we refer to Jesus as Jesus, or when the Bible refers to Jesus as Jesus, it's referring to, it's pointing to his humanity, right? And we see this, we see this throughout Acts. Jesus isn't just this spiritual concept, some, some good ideas <clears throat> of a, of a far-off God, no, this is, this is the Jesus that you saw and heard about walking around Galilee, right? This was a real person. This isn't, this isn't just some, some removed God. This is, this is the person, the historical person that we know about. <clears throat> the one that grew up in Nazareth. And, and this also points to the resurrection, right? To Jesus' resurrection, to coming back to life. Because we're claiming that Jesus is alive, and that's significant because we know that he was once dead. But, but his being dead is only significant, and especially only significant for us, if he was once alive just like us. If Jesus conquered death, right, that's meaningless for us unless he conquered the same kind of death that, that we'll all sometimes experience. And so when we talk about Jesus, it's like, when, when we say, when the Bible says Jesus, it's pulling all these things in. That this was a real person that came down, that lived a life, that lived historically, and his death and his resurrection is significant. His ascension to heaven is significant because a day is coming when the same thing is going to happen to us. And if he wasn't really alive and a real person like we are, then who cares, right? But the fact that he went through the same stuff that we're going to go through points to the hope that we have about the resurrection, about ascending to heaven. <clears throat> and then Christ, right? This is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one that the Old Testament talks about. <clears throat> Messiah, Savior. And, and you can see er, even earlier in, in Acts when, uh, when we saw about Saul's conversion, the way that it refers to Jesus, right? And who, Je who, who Saul would have, have looked to as... Saul knew, Saul, before he became a Christian, he knew this concept of the Messiah. He was waiting for the Messiah. He was waiting for the Christ, and, and Acts makes a big deal in Saul's life about um, the Christ being this Jesus, right? Because here's this historical person. Here's this Christ. They come together. 
So Christ, this is the one that we've been waiting for, right? This is our Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the one that saves us. And in all of history, right? It's not just, it's not just this Jesus that lived for 30 years in Galilee. It's like this is the Christ, this is the Messiah that all of history revolves around. And all of history past and all of history future is all about the Christ. <clears throat> this is no mistake. So all these names come together at the end of Peter's speech. And, and Peter's saying, you know what? I didn't just walk into a Galilee's, sorry, I didn't just walk into a Gentile's house on a whim. No, this was... This was the plan of our master. This was the plan of the human Jesus. This was the plan of the one whom we've been waiting for. And so, so for us today, right, when we're, um, when we're considering these, these names of Jesus, we want to ask, hey, who, 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 is Lord, who is Lord of my life? Who, who is the one that's the Savior? Who's the one that I look to to save me? Who is it that... Who is it that I follow? <clears throat> and there's been, uh, in, in the church in, in Canada in particular, um, lately there's been some, there's, there's been that, just that awkward thing where somebody will say something like, uh, uh, well, I follow the Bible, right? And then another Christian will say, well, I follow Jesus, right? And it's like, it's a stupid argument. It's like, of course, when I say I follow the Bible, I'm saying I follow Jesus. It's not like, it's not like I'm saying, hey, here's, here's, uh, I, if I say I follow the Bible, I'm saying I'm, I'm following the Word of God and I follow Jesus. But well, we get these silly arguments where it's like, well, I don't follow the Bible. Not I don't follow the Bible. People say, you follow the Bible, well, I follow Jesus, right? And it's like, no, let's not put this fake division in there. Let's say that, yeah, when we say we follow the Bible, we're saying we follow Jesus. And we're saying that this is, this is the Word of God. And that we turn to, to his Word to understand what he's, what he's saying to, in, to us in our lives. Um, but sometimes it is helpful to say, hey, you know what? I follow Jesus. And, and when we say I follow Jesus, it brings all these things together. It, it, it says, yeah, I follow Jesus whose, whose word is, is written here. Um, I follow Jesus, my God, whose Holy Spirit is living within me. Right? I follow Jesus. Sometimes we would say, um, what would Jesus do? Right? As a, as a thing of, hey, how would Jesus live his life? Um, but we don't want to just live our lives by what would Jesus do because it's like, hey, sometimes it's like, we, well, I don't know what Jesus would do, right? But if we say I follow Jesus, then it's like it pulls all of these things in and, and, um, and, and, and we, can, we can start to, to wrestle with the different ways that we are hearing from him. <clears throat> all right, so, so with Peter, in, in uh, Peter's case, when he's... When he's He's talking to the Christians here that were challenging him. He, he finishes up in verse 17 um, by telling that, hey, the Lord Jesus Christ redeems even the Gentiles. So if God gave them the same gift he gave to us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And the gift then, right, he says, if God gave them the same gift, and we know that this is um, the Holy Spirit in verse 15, um, the gift that God gave to the Gentiles that confirmed this message, that confirmed that the Gentiles were, were believers, were Christians. Um, we see in verse 15, the Holy Spirit came on the Gentiles as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered, this is Peter speaking, then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> And 
And um, just to expand on this, this idea of baptism, of baptism by the Holy Spirit a little bit, we sometimes, we sometimes talk about baptism, right, when we're, when we're um, dunked in the water and, and come out re- representing our, our death and our resurrection as, as um, born again. And we sometimes talk about baptism, that kind of baptism, that John's baptism, as it were, this water baptism, as being a public declaration of faith. An outward sign of, of what's happened in our hearts, right? Where our hearts are transformed, that's what makes us a believer. Then we're baptized, and this is like an outward sign of that transformation that has occurred. And, and it's helpful for us here to, to recognize some of the similarities between the baptism with water and this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because both are marks of our salvation rather than salvation itself. So certainly when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's more than just a mark and it's it's more than, than our water baptized, our water, water baptism. And, and we are saved by the calling of the Holy Spirit. But there's still an aspect of our being baptized by the Holy Spirit, of receiving the Holy Spirit when we become believers, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an aspect of that that, that Peter's pointing to that marks us as believers. It's like, hey, the Gentiles, they received the Holy Spirit, and look what's going on in their lives. This is proof, this is a mark that these Gentiles too are following Christ, are disciples. Of Christ. And as Christians, we often quote uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, right? This is that one about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I got the order mixed up there, but I think you, you, hopefully you are familiar with those. Against such thing, there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. And so the point is that we should be able to recognize Christians by the fruit of the Spirit, right? Just like water baptism, this is, this is the mark. <clears throat> um, all right, so, so all these things, let me pull all this together and, and, and just ask the question about a few things that, that this means for us today, right? What, is, what are some more, or what are some things that, that this would mean for us today? Well, let me give you three things. Um, the first is repetition, and I'm repeating a little bit here, but I think that's appropriate in this case. Repetition. Um, when God speaks to us, it's going to be through multiple channels. Um, we all have our favorites, right? Maybe you love hearing God through his word, the Bible. Maybe you hear God through your brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> Maybe you're especially in tune with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so repetition, the, the important stuff, the difficult stuff, is going to be repeated in various ways, through various means, and at various times. And, and we see repetition between Acts chapter 11 and, and Acts chapter 10. We see repetition in the messages given to Peter and Cornelius, and, and we see that in our own lives, right? So watch for that. <clears throat> in Peter and Cornelius' case, this was a big deal, right? Declaring the Gentiles clean, it seemed to contradict the law, and and even though Jesus had already taught about this, right? If you look at um, Mark chapter 7, verse 19, Jesus had, had um, hinted at this. Um, and even, even though that's the case, this would be a difficult change for everyone. Not only difficult, but super important, right? This is about calling all people, about calling not just the, the Jews, but calling all people. So it seems for these two reason that, reasons that God pulled all the stops. <clears throat> God usually won't speak this loudly to us in our, our daily lives. We might only hear him through one or two of these means, or even sometimes none. But depending on the, 
the significance or the difficulty or the place where we find ourselves, we might, we might, um, we might see that, that, that God is more likely to guide through multiple methods. And so we want to watch, we want to be watching for that, right? That if, we're, if, if our favorite way to hear God is this, but he's, he's confirming it or he's giving more details in, in some other ways that he also encourages us. We want to be watching for that. <clears throat> um, right? We can, we can pull out that list that we jotted down a few minutes ago and, and ask, is, is the Holy Spirit teaching me or is he guiding me through any of these? All right, second, um, Jesus, he's always the end result, right? There might be times when there's a, a build-up to giving Jesus the glory. In Peter's speech, Jesus was present throughout, but it wasn't until the end. Who is this voice? Bam! This is the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in our jobs, in our relationships, we might not always be explicitly giving the glory to Jesus, but we want to be deliberate about heading to that place, right? About thinking, okay, is this, am I heading to the place where I'm giving Jesus the glory? Am I building up to the place where I'm giving Jesus the glory? Am I setting the, the hints, preparing the path so that I can give the glory to Jesus? <clears throat> Do we have a plan for that, right? Are we, are we doing this with the end in mind, as it were? Are we doing this with Jesus in mind? And then third, the Holy Spirit is a gift. And we see here in this chapter that, that receiving the Holy Spirit is a sign that God has granted repentance that leads to life. Right? This is what it means to be a Christian, that we've, we've turned from going our, other, our own way, and instead we've turned, we've repented, and, and are following God's way. And so the Holy Spirit working through us is a sign of this. Right? He's a gift. He's a mark of this. And, and here's what the Holy Spirit working through us is not. It's not proof that we're doing the right thing, right? It's not proof that we're on the right path as far as our behavior is concerned. And, and it's not proof that he's not calling us to something more or better. Ah, friends, write this down um, if you're taking notes. The, the, the Holy Spirit works through and in you because you are chosen by God. If the Holy Spirit working through us was confirmation that we were doing the right thing, then he wouldn't be a gift. He would be something we earned for doing the right thing. Grace means a gift that we didn't receive, that we didn't, sorry, a gift that we didn't deserve. And so verse 18, God grants repentance that leads to life. It's something that he grants, something that he gives to us. It's a gift. And when you become a Christian, you're baptized both in water and in the Holy Spirit. All right, well, let's, let's wrap up. <clears throat> God's going to do mighty things through us, through each of us. And he leads us as the, as the shepherd of the sheep. Sometimes we need to think through exactly how it is that he's calling us. We need to watch for the different ways that he, he is um, leading us. And let me tell you why and how. Because he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, I pray. Lord, I pray that you would be Lord in each of our lives. That you would be 
Jesus in each of our lives, that you would be Christ in each of our lives. Lord, that we would, that we would follow you, that we would be in a relationship with you, that, you would, that we would recognize that you are, um, are all-powerful uh, over all time, and that only you can save us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.